Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, good morning, my friends. Christos Anesti. The opening music was by Save Vocal Group from the CD Native Angels by Save. If you want to order a copy, contact Save.org, S-A-V-A-E.org. And they're on Facebook, and they also do some live shows. And you can listen to them for free on YouTube. You can also get their CD on Amazon. I'm your host and friend, Reverend Sean McCain, and I'd like to welcome listeners to Sacred Sunday. 
Sacred Sunday was created just to focus on the tenet that Sunday is a special day to set aside some time for spiritual focus, meditation, and prayer. All faiths are welcome. I am, me personally, am a Christian in recovery, and all Bible readings will be out of the Ryrie Study Bible, and you may use any Bible you wish, of course. I read out of the Ryrie Study Bible because someone had thrown their Bible away when I was living in Hermosa Beach, and they threw it out by the trash cans, and I had just coming by to take out the trash, and I saw that Bible, and I picked it up, and I started studying it, and it was the Ryrie Study Bible, so... I highly recommend it, and it's uh, very good to read, and they have wonderful notes. And uh, I've had many spiritual experiences, and in gratitude, we have ongoing Bible readings and discussion about our spiritual experiences. If anybody cares to call in and talk at the end of the show, we can talk about our spiritual experiences. And I'm just unfocused on being my real self and carrying the message given to me, and uh, that's it. And we read the Bible, and we read some uh, short stories. Uh, my guide posts a book. Uh, the call-in number this morning is 619-924-9744. And Sacred Sunday airs every Sunday morning, 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. So let's now do our opening prayer as we bow our heads and we try to let the cares of the world go away and just focus on reading our Bible and our Heavenly Father. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. I want to thank you, God, so much for being with us. And we ask the Holy Spirit to be with us this morning and help us. Help us, for we're all Christians, and we pray for all the Christians being persecuted worldwide, and also people of other religions that are running and running and running and trying to escape, and um, I, we feel very bad for them. Please, Heavenly Father, have your angels watch over them. Their freedom to worship and lives are in jeopardy, and those whose lives are taken for distorted or evil reasons are martyrs, and that's what we believe. We pray that all those suffering from violence here at home and abroad be safe and carry all those little children to safety, God. We pray for those who are sick in mind and body and those who are lonely and uncomforted. Forgive us, God, for our sins. We pray for those suffering from domestic violence in their own homes and freedom from addiction from all kinds. Please, God, send your Archangel Michael to fight against evil and protect them and all of your angels to watch over everyone. Our prayers go out to all those who suffer in the world, including the animals that can't speak for themselves. We also pray for the wisdom of our president and the rest of our policymakers. They have many decisions to make, and we are praying for all countries for problems of suffering all over the world. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. We ask Jesus to bless us and help us grow under his care and learn what we need to learn to carry on in this world. We want to thank you, God, so much for everything you've given us. Thank you. We're grateful, God. We keep everybody and their families in their prayers. God bless you. Amen. So anyway, uh, I want to say happy day after uh, Halloween here in America. Uh, It was a night of candy and costumes and everything else to get everything out of the system. And uh, 
I just focus on the kids and keeping it positive, which I did. And uh, I just wish you everybody the best. And I also wish everybody happy birthday today. Those who had birthdays yesterday, which were a lot. I had 10 friends, including a cousin, who had a birthday yesterday. And uh, today, I wish all the birthday people a very blessed and happy birthday. And may you have a very prosperous year ahead. And then, let's see. Please let me know you have any spiritual uh, prayer requests or any kind of uh, help of any kind. The phone number this morning is 619-924-9744. And uh, if you want to, you don't have a Bible with you, you can go to www.biblegateway.com or the one I use online the most is www.biblia.com, B-I-B-L-I-A.com. And there you will find it. So this morning we're actually on our 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 10 or 11. I think so. Let me see. Uh, I know uh, we read uh, two chapters and one chapter twice in a row, but I guess I need to learn something. I've done that a couple times, and uh, excuse me, but uh, you know it happens sometimes. So anyway, uh, this is we're on Second Corinthians chapter eleven. And I'm going to read you the notes with this, and they're pretty funny, even though uh, this is serious, because uh, Paul is pretty darn mad. And uh, we're going to read that, so everybody get your Bible out, Second Corinthians chapter 11. So here is the summary. The train to crazy town. Let's humor Paul for a minute while he gets a little crazy. Paul is jealous. That's right. He's like a father who promised his daughter that he would marry one guy, Jesus, and now she's off sneaking around with some other Jesus. This one probably has all kinds of creepy tattoos and a nose ring. Basically, it's dad's nightmare. And even though Paul said he's not a huge bragger, we're going to have to bear with him here while he does a little bragging. He doesn't like it, but the false apostles have forced his hand. So we asked Paul to tell it. No apostle support for him. Paul thinks he's pretty great when compared to the super apostle, apostles. Ah, oh, sarcasm. Good one, Paul. He may not be a fancy public speaker like these guys, but Paul knows his stuff. After all, he's learned it from God. Apparently, some of these false apostles had been circulating rumors that if Paul were a real apostle, he would accept a salary for the Corinthians. from the Corinthians. Instead, Paul continues to work as a craftsman, you know, see, as a tent maker, and he accepts support from other Christians, like his friends in Macedonia, but not Corinth. What gives? Paul tells them that it's not because he doesn't love them. It's because he does. He loves them very much. He even draws little hearts around their names in his apostolic, apostolic notebook. Sorry about that. Anyway, oh, yeah, when Paul came to visit, he didn't take the money from them for his personal support. He didn't want to be a burden. He just brought them the good news of Christ Jesus free of charge. Is that a problem, Corinthians? Paul accuses the false apostles of being in league with Satan. Whoa, these guys aren't just wrong. They're flat-out evil. Anyway, Paul's not suffering in silence. Does all this bragging make Paul seem a little foolish? Well, then fine. Paul is cool with that. Even though he knows how ridiculous it all sounds. Besides, the Corinthians love fools. They listen to them talk all day and even get convinced by some of their stupid arguments. And we're looking at you, false apostles. Anyway... If these guys want to have a brag off, then let's go. Are these guys Jewish? Well, Paul is too. Are they serving Jesus? Well, guess what? Paul is too. Talking like a madman, he says. 
Plus, if we're going to compare apples to apples here, Paul has far more impressive contentials. Five times he was whipped with 39 lashes. Three times he was beaten with rods. Ouch. Once he was stoned, but that didn't work. Three times he was shipwrecked. He is constantly in danger wherever he goes. While Paul, poor Paul, people do not like him. He is constantly in danger wherever he goes. On top of this, he's been sleep-deprived, hungry, thirsty, cold, and naked, and he's constantly freaking out about what's going on in various churches. Corinthians, you're not helping Paul's poor nerves. See, unlike the false apostles, Paul doesn't brag about all the amazing things he can do. You know, the fancy speeches he gives, Paul brags about the bad stuff he's been through. Now, that's dedication. So that's what he's focused on. So let's turn to our Bible. And I'm so happy that we have continued on and read and read and read. Because we're coming up on the next uh, book pretty soon. The Galatians. Okay. Second Corinthians chapter 11. The marks of his apostleship. Paul's conduct. I wish that you would bear with me in a little foolishness. But indeed you are bearing with me. For I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy for I betrothed you to one husband, so that Christ might present you as a pure virgin. But I am afraid that, as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and the purity of the devotion to Christ. For if one comes and preaches another Jesus whom we have not preached, or you receive a different spirit which you have not received, or a different gospel which you have not accepted, you bear this beautifully. For I consider myself not in the least inferior to the most eminent apostles, but even if I am unskilled in speech, yet I am not so in knowledge. In fact, in every way we have made this evident to you in all things. Or did I commit a sin in humbling myself so that you might be exalted because I preached the gospel of God to you free of charge? I robbed other churches by taking wages from them to serve you. And when I was present with you and was in need, I was not a burden to anyone. For when the brethren came from Macedonia, they fully supplied my need, and in everything I kept myself from being a burden to you, and will continue to do so. As the truth of Christ in me, this boasting of mine will not be stopped in the regions of Aqaba. Why? Because I do not love you? God knows I do. But what I am doing, I may continue to do, so that I may cut off opportunity of those who desire an opportunity to be regarded, just as we are in the matter about which they are boasting. For such men are false apostles, deceitful workers, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. No wonder, for even Satan disguised himself as an angel of light. Therefore, it is not surprising that his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness, whose end will be according to their deeds. And now we go on to Paul's suffering. We're, up, we're at Second Corinthians 11. Now we're at verse 16. Again I say, let no one think me foolish. But if you do, receive me even as foolish, for that I may boast a little. What I am saying, I am not saying as the Lord would, but as in foolishness for this confidence of boasting. Since many boast according to the flesh, I will boast also. For you, being so wise, and tolerate the foolish gladly. For you tolerate it if anyone enslaves you, anyone devours you, anyone takes advantage of you, 
anyone exalts himself, anyone that hits you in the face. To my shame, I must say that we have been weak by comparison. But in respect to anyone else as bold, I speak in foolishness, for I am just as bold myself. Are we Hebrews? So am I. Are we the Israelites? So am I. Are they descendants of Abraham? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I speak as if insane. I more so, in far more labors, in far more imprisonments, beaten times without number, often in danger of death. Five times I received from the Jews 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have spent at, in the deep, lost the sea. I put those last two words in there. I have been on frequent journeys in dangers of rivers, dangers of robbers, dangers from my countrymen, dangers from the Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers at sea, and dangers among the false brethren. I have been in labor and hardship through many sleepless nights, in hunger and thirst, often without food and cold and exposure. Apart from all such external things, there is a daily pressure of me to concern for all the churches. Who is weak without my being weak? Who is led into sin without my intense concern? If I have to boast, I will boast that what pertains to my weakness. The God and Father, the Lord Jesus, he who is blessed forever, knows that I am not lying. In Damascus, the Antioch, under Athras the king, was guarding the city of the Damascenes in order to seize me. Now we're at the last part. And I was let down from a basket through a window in the wall, and so escaped his hands. Remember that famous scene from our childhood, how Paul escaped. So then I'm going to read the notes. I think when we read uh, we read this ahead of time, uh, you could see that uh, it made this all the more clear. So I'm going to read the notes now. So 11.1 says, a little fullness. The boasting of verses 21 through 31, but Paul knows that he must do it to make the false apostles appear in their true colors. And then 11 to 23, as their spiritual father, Paul prayed for the Corinthians to Christ, but feared that they were being deceived by, as Eve was. And then 11.4, Paul here and in verse 5 is speaking sarcastically. Of course, he did not want them to submit to the false teachers, nor did he want to regard the smooth talkers as apostles in any sense. Anyway, that was the sarcasm we started out with. Anyway, um, robbed in the sense of having accepted gifts from other churches so that all could afford to, they could give them in order to be a finance, not to be a financial burden to the Corinthians. When Paul first arrived in Corinth, he worked as a tent maker, but then he devoted himself entirely to preaching when gifts for his support came from Macedonia. By not accepting support, Paul cut off the opponent's opportunity or opening for attacking him, which is pretty wise when you think about this. Satan's masterful deception is to appear in the guise of an angel of light. These teachers, Satan's servants, appear as preachers of righteousness. That's why we have to watch out, people. We have to have a sound mind. Not as the Lord would. Paul... Paul means that he is forced to boasting finds no example in the life of Christ. He had to indulge in it, he says, against his natural instincts, so that he could call some significant facts to their attention. And then uh, we're going down to 1122. 
those who spoke Hebrew or Aramaic, the Israelites, those who belonged to the nation. Paul was a descendant of Abraham to the tribe of Benjamin. And let's go on. And Paul states that false, teach, false teachers claim to be servants of Christ only for the sake of argument. Wow. you got to remember that when you start arguments in churches. 39 lashes. This refers to being when, when we're administered in the synagogue. The law prescribed 40 lashes, but only 39 were given in order to be certain not to exceed the limit. Um, beaten with rods. A Roman punishment administered to Paul in Philippi. And he was shipwrecked. They were not, not specifically recorded in Acts, but there was no, after Second Corinthians was written. So painful as Paul's physical difficulties were, his spiritual burdens were even greater. And then Paul boasted of his weakness, not of his strength and power. So that brings the end to that, our study. And that was very interesting. And I think as we go along, we're understanding this Bible more and more. And... Uh, it's quite amazing. And let's see. I pick a story at random, and then we'll go about our day today. And I want to thank you all for tuning in archives and listening. I, I really appreciate you. I love you very much, and thank you so much. Okay, so this is You Can Climb Higher. This is by George Sweeting of Chicago, Illinois. And it's out of my book, Guidepost. Best Beloved Stories. Okay, here we go. God calls us to climb higher to pursue excellence. It takes hard work and constant commitment, but we can do it because God gives us the tools we need, faith and prayer. I learned how to use these tools when I was a boy. Not long after my dad arrived in the country in 1920 as a Scottish stonemason, America experienced the trauma of the Great Depression. After about five years, little construction went on in the United States. My father couldn't find work for three and a half years, so we all took any job we could find. I remember as a boy selling magazines and delivering milk every Friday night and all day Saturday for a dollar a day. Our family made paper flowers, sold them door to door, just get a quarter, 50 cents or a dollar. My parents put our house up for sale so we would not, because we could not make the payments. As a family, we found the strength to keep going because we had faith that the Lord was in complete control even in times of poverty and want. Mother would remind us, God is too good to be unkind and too wise to make mistakes. During our daily prayer time, we found unity and renewed faith as we identified with the humiliation and poverty of the children of Israel in their desert wandering and their ultimate possession of the promised land. Eventually, building resumed and my dad got a job laying brick, and we went on to lead a significant company. But without his or a family's faith and trust in God, however, we could have not resisted the hard times of the Depression. Have faith. Little in this world worthy of our complete trust. The stockholder who depends on stocks to help him climb higher often learns the stocks go down as well, or sometimes more frequently than up. Long ago, I made the decision to believe in God and Jesus rather than visible things of the world. The one basic decision we just make for myself is, shall I believe in Jesus Christ? If you do this, you will begin to walk the path of excellence. Excellence can never be achieved without the Lord because climbing higher is not just wishful thinking. It is God's intention and plan for us. The next decision of life is this. Am I willing to trust God no matter how impossible the situation seems? 
no matter how long my difficulties continue. Too often we have faith for the short run, but not for the long haul. We make it through the first few months of the crisis, and we become desperate in the fourth or fifth month. It's difficult to keep going when you're worried of whether your spouse or child will live or die. No matter how hard it is to try to displace your doubts, what if he should die and become handicapped for life? What would I do? They raise to the surface. God calls us to conquer such panic, which is really doubt grown larger until it turns into fear. Fear not, for I am with you. God promises work now, just as they did in Bible times when the Apostle Paul said, If God is for us, who can be against us? That's from Romans 8.31. Memorizing these words, words helped me experience the strength that comes from understanding and believing in the promises of God. Don't quit. Another barrier to faith that leads to excellence is the, the tendency to quit. Recently, I rented a car to travel to a small town north of Indianapolis, Indiana. My friend had given me directions over the phone. I took Route 70, as my friend instructed, rather than Interstate 465, which the rental agent told me to take. My friend explained that 70 went straight across the city, ran into the 465, which circled the city, would add extra miles to my trip. However, as 25 minutes went by, there was still no sight of Interstate 465. I began to doubt. And I heard my friend correctly. Highways began to turn to Louisville, then to Columbus, Ohio. My friend had admitted she didn't get to the city much, and I worried maybe her way wasn't right. I finally gave up, turned off the highway to ask directions. As usual, I wish I had trusted my friend's directions a little, just a little longer. Only a few miles ahead, 465 did join 70. I had avoiding circling the city by taking Route 70. I had some faith, but not quite enough. What mistakes did I make? First, I wondered if I understood my friend properly. This nagging feeling of doubt is similar to the questions of false theology we have all heard. Did God really say that? Does he really mean that? And while we're thinking about it, we all know what the miracles in the Bible can be explained by natural phenomena. Furthermore, such miracles don't happen today. They are just for biblical times. Slowly doubt creeps in and destroys the faith because we do not trust God and his word in scripture. Second, I question my friend's ability. We need to believe that God is able. Abraham had such faith in God's prayer that he believed God was able to raise Isaac from the dead. Remember that in Hebrews 11:19. When we doubt God, we cut ourselves off from his help. Without faith, we cannot achieve ex- excellence. The Christian life begins by faith in Jesus Christ, and he must continue by faith, in fact, without faith. It is impossible to please God, Hebrews 11.6. I can build a house without faith. I can marry without faith. I can earn a million dollars without faith. But it's impossible to please God without faith. The greatest challenge of the Christian life is to keep the faith until the end. Remember that, everybody. Okay, keep on praying. When the Pacific Garden Mission in Chicago faced threats of rezoning by the city, local news reporters wasted no time in arriving at the 107-year-old mission to interview the superintendent, Harry Shalna. How do you feel about the planning board's claim that the mission is drawing undesirables into the South Loop and is responsible for neighborhood crimes? One reporter from the local news station thrust the microphone into Mr. Schallner's face and asked, so what are you going to do now? The white-haired man, his features and slight frame gnarled by rheumatoid arthritis and 80 years of living, didn't lash out or cite legal tactics. 
he didn't refer to the mission's outstanding contributions, thousands of rehabilitated men from drug and alcohol addiction. Instead, he replied, well, there's nothing I can do but pray. The future seems bleak as he heard of the planning board's threats, and they must have been magnified by the news reporters who badgered him with questions. But while his opposers descended their prey, he descended to his knees to pray. What happened? Within a few weeks, the city dropped its case without any explanation. Alfred Lord Tennyson once said, more things are wrought by prayer than men would dream of. I agree. And so did well-known leaders like D.L. Moody, who claimed every great movement of God can be traced to a kneeling human figure. Thank you, God, for that. So listen, to close out our little church service this morning with our traditional prayer as we close our eyes and think of those who are out there still suffering. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Amen. And in closing, God bless and keep you in his loving arms so that you may have your strength to face whatever is ahead. Remember, you're never alone. God loves you. And may your best dreams come true and true love live in your heart. Love you so much. Bye, my friends, and happy trails to you. God bless you. See you next week. Bye-bye.